I think it's safe to say that most of us are really of two minds when it comes to forgiveness. When we're willing to acknowledge that we're the ones who have messed up, we're all for forgiveness. But when somebody's hurt or injured us, uh, we're a lot more reluctant to forgive. Uh, We err on the side of justice. Yet forgiveness lies at the very heart of the gospel. There's absolutely no forgiveness apart from it. The meaning of the cross is forgiveness of sin. And insofar as this particular series is concerned, I think it is safe to say that you really can't become the me that you want to be as long as you are haunted by past hurts, obsessed with ancient injuries, and insist on just revisiting and reliving and rehearsing and resenting old injuries. Now this habit, and I would, I would argue it really is a habit, this habit of resentful remembering, this unforgiving spirit robs us of the ability to, to enjoy life and to enjoy the amazing gifts that God places before us every day of our lives. It really came home to me. I could really relate to this article that I read this past week by Brady Boyd. He describes a day that he found himself staring at this absolutely beautiful sunset. But that's all he was doing. He wasn't appreciating it. He was staring at it. Instead of enjoying it, instead of appreciating its beauty, he found himself looking at this sunset, remembering an incident, remembering a time years before when one of his supervisors, a person he really admired, had gotten angry with him at work and had called him stupid and then stormed off thinking that he had set Brady straight. But in fact, he had done the exact opposite. It had made Brady angry and bitter for years and years to come. Now, this supervisor had probably totally forgotten about it. Had no idea that it had probably even happened while Brady found himself decades later staring through a sunset. And you know what he was doing while he was looking at that sunset? He was having a shouting match with this guy in his head. Decades later. Can anybody relate to this? And the thing is, Brady had had that experience hundreds of times before the light bulb finally switched on that day. And he found himself saying to himself, what are you doing? This is insane. That event happened forever ago, and you 
are still letting this guy live rent-free in your head. He came to realize that resentful remembering was ruining his life. So the question I want to pose to you today is this. How can we keep resentful remembering from ruining our lives so that we can be the me that we want to be, so that we can be the people God created us to be, so that we can be uh, free from the burdens and, and painful memories of the past? Let's take a look at, at our message um, notes this morning. I think a first step in recovering from, from the, this ruinous kind of self-destructive habit of resentful remembering is, and I'm going to take this slowly because I don't know that, we've, that we really have thought forgiveness through completely. I think the first step in recovering from this ruinous habit of resentful remembering is, is to acknowledge your hurt. Just stop and acknowledge us. acknowledge us. See, some of us suffer from the false belief that if we forgive somebody, that we are minimizing or excusing their sin. And you know what? That is not what forgiveness is at all. Nothing could be further from the truth. Listen to this. Forgiveness, by its very nature, sees sin as serious recognizes sin as radically wrong. That's why forgiveness is never easy. Forgiveness is never cheap. Forgiveness is never free. It always costs someone something. In fact, and I I really want to highlight this point, forgiveness is really only about big stuff. Yesterday, my wife and I had an experience where uh, we went to do some business with some folks, and instead of it taking the maybe hour and a half that we thought it would, it, would t- it took like four hours, and uh, we, um, I think we'd eaten breakfast at like seven, eight in the morning, and it's three o'clock in the afternoon, and I haven't had lunch yet. So it's not like I was hangry, but I was hungry. And finally, you know, we, we wrapped things up and, and we went out to, to grab something to eat before I came to, to church. And while we were sitting there, my, my wife says, what are you talking about this weekend? And I said, forgiveness. And she said, yeah, we need to forgive those people. I said, no, we don't need to forgive them. And that was just annoying. It wasn't a sin against us. <laughs> but you see the difference. You don't have to forgive people for being annoying. can if you want to. I'm not going to stop you. But, but in terms of, of when you talk about forgiveness, it's not about, you know, little stuff and annoyances and, you know, that kind of stuff. Forgiveness is when it's a, somebody sinning against you. And maybe it's intentional. Maybe it was unintentional. Maybe they have no idea. But the important thing is this. You need to acknowledge it and see it for what it is. Because if you don't see it as serious and, and just say, you know what, that, that really was wrong. If you don't stop and, and do that, you will uh, never be able to make your way through this process. So the first step in forgiveness is objectively acknowledging your hurt. Now listen to what I said, acknowledging it. Don't obsess over it, but acknowledge it. 
once, uh, once you've objectively acknowledged your, your hurt, I think a second step in learning to forgive, and like I said, I'm going to take this slow, consider your options. Because you do have options. There are options. And here they are. I'm going to make it a forced choice. First option is keep viewing yourself as a victim. Persevere in your resentful remembering. I mean, it was a real hurt, so you can do that. Carry on with that insanity of letting somebody live rent-free in your head. Let that ancient injury ruin your enjoyment of a concert or a movie or a sunset or an evening walk. That's one option. The other one is this. Decide to do whatever it takes to be free from that. And here's the thing. That's your choice. That is your choice. It's amazing to me the the lengths to which people will go in order to hang on to and to harbor their hurts and resentments. And one of the reasons I think we do this is just out of a sense of pride. And, and once pride, our pride gets involved, if our egos have been damaged or something like that, once our pride gets involved, um, then we are tempted, and, and we almost always all do this, we fall into this trap of kind of a self-righteous appropriation of what's happened to us, that the other person's totally wrong, and we're right. We're the injured party, they're the bad people, and so on. And when that happens, it, it will lead us to do uh, really insane things. Back in the 1930s, the, the Chicago Herald Examiner carried a story about this guy named Harry Havens. Harry Havens was a handyman by trade. And he was the kind of guy, he loved his wife, and one of the things that, that he loved to do was use his handyman skills uh, to do little things around the house to make uh, her life better. He loved hanging pictures for her. He loved uh, doing the dishes and, and stuff like that. And um, it, it just gave him joy to, to do this. One day, uh, Harry Haven's wife criticized him for something, you know, the way he did something. And he was hurt. And so he told her, you know what? If that's the way you feel about it, I am going to bed and I'm going to stay there for the rest of my life and I don't want to see you or anybody else again. A little overreacting. But that's one of the things about forgiveness. That's one of the reasons we have such a hard time getting over it is because we overreact so often. You know what Harry Havens did? He literally took those words seriously. He put on a blindfold. He went to bed and he stayed there for seven years until he started feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> and that is not an urban legend. That really happened. There, there are countless stories about people who have built and who live in these uh, bizarre spite houses. Have you ever heard of a spite house? These are houses that are built um, for the primary purpose of annoying, irritating, or exacting revenge on somebody who has wronged you. And um, let me just describe this picture here. That is a spite house there. You can guess which one is the spite house, can't you? 
one of the things that's important to know about this particular picture is this, uh, this picture was taken in Kensington, which is a neighborhood in London. It's one of the poshest neighborhoods in London, as a matter of fact. And the person who lives in the candy cane striped house uh, had petitioned the you know, city council or whatever to make some sort of change to their home. They wouldn't let them do it. And so they looked at what they could do, and that's what they did with their house. And by the way, uh, if you suffer from OCD, this is really annoying. And why is that? Be, uh, see, you guys, uh, the, if you look all the way on the right-hand side, they didn't even finish the red stripe. Look, I, you, know, that, let's, you know, let's be fair about this. Forgiving somebody who has hurt us is always going to be a challenge. With that being said, living in a house of spite guarantees an even more wretched experience. And you know what? That's one of the things people choose all the time. So consider your options. Consider your options. Think about what will get you closer to the me that you want to be. You want to live in a house of spite the rest of your life? Is that the the person you want to be? Or do you want to experience freedom? Remember, a lot of you who have been on the um, Stonebridge Encounter weekends will be familiar with this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom not spite. You know, as, as I was working uh, on this message this past week, and I, I had a thought that um, it, it just occurred to me, and it's a thought that I'd never, I, I don't think I've ever come across. And, uh, and it's something I've never read or heard anybody talk about. But for me, um, it, it represents a real paradigm shift. And, and maybe that's not totally true. Maybe I had heard it before. I think maybe Jesus said it, but I just didn't understand it this way. If you ever find yourself feeling incapable or unwilling to forgive somebody, you know, we, we ever find ourselves unwilling or incapable of forgiving somebody, we really need to ask God to forgive us. Because we ourselves are guilty of sin. That may not sit right with you the first time you hear it, because you're the victim in this, right? What sin have you committed? I'm the injured party here. But I think there is some stuff that if we have an unforgiving spirit, there is some stuff that we need to ask God's forgiveness for. We need to ask God to forgive our insane obsession with old hurts and ancient injuries. We need to ask God to forgive our viewing ourselves as victims. When we were created in the image and likeness of God, if you'll remember how we began this message series on becoming the me that we want to be, the very first thing was accepting responsibility. And as long as you are seeing yourself as a victim, you're not accepting responsibility for your life. We need to ask God to forgive our stubborn 
resentful remembering. We need to ask God to forgive our making idols of our wounded egos. We need to ask God to forgive our pride and our lack of love. A lack of love that is perfectly demonstrated. If you look in 1 Corinthians 13, that incredible chapter on agape love that the Apostle Paul writes, when he says love is patient, love is kind. You know what else Paul says about love, agape love? It keeps no record of wrongs. And if we're keeping a record of wrongs, that's unloving, and that is unchrist-like. We need to forgive or we need to ask God to forgive our being unforgiving, which is unchristlike. And we need to ask God to forgive our disobedience to Jesus Christ's clear command that we forgive others as we have been forgiven. That's our scripture reading today. I mean, if you want to move forward, if you want to live in the present and not in the past, if you want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want to become the me that you want to be and the me that God created you to be, ask God to forgive you the sin of being unforgiving. It's only as we recognize our own sin and guilt, our own need to be forgiven. It's only when we do that that we can take the next step. Otherwise, we will we'll be stuck. And the reason I talk about the insanity of this habitual, uh, resentful remembering is, you know, we keep doing that. Uh, the, what is that classic definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's why that next step is this. And we're finally inching our way toward you know, a little bit of resolution here. The next step is, is choosing to forgive. You choose to forgive. Now I want to say something right now that is incredibly important. And you need to hear this and know this. So, so listen up. You ready? Ready? You will never... Feel like forgiving. If you're waiting to feel like forgiving, if you're waiting for somebody to come up to you and apologize for uh, the injustice that they exacted against your spirit, if you're waiting for, for that stuff, you'll wait forever. You will never feel like forgiving. Nobody does. But the good news is, you ready for this? Forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's got nothing to do with your feelings. This isn't pop psychology. This is profound. Forgiveness is a decision followed by a process. And you can decide right now to forgive. You can decide right now to forgive. Now, will that mean that your feelings will go away? No, we'll get there. It's just the beginning of a process. It is making a conscious choice 
to release yourself from the pointless insanity of resentful remembering and finally trusting and resting in and enjoying the peace and freedom that will come in time. You've just got to trust God for that. It doesn't happen overnight. This is why prayer is so important. Because ultimately, real forgiveness is a work of the Holy Spirit as our hearts are transformed in the power of God. But it's got to begin with a decision. Because if you don't decide to forgive, the process will never start. I think it was Corey Ten Boom, and if anyone had a lot to forgive, it was Corey Ten Boom. I think it was, uh, it was Corey who, who wrote that choosing to forgive is like letting go of a rope in a bell tower. I used to be a pastor of a church that um, had a bell tower in it. And there was this, you know, this rope that when you pulled it, you know, it was hard at first, but, you know, the bell finally got swinging. And once it did, it was really loud and, and it kind of had the momentum and, and everything. And it would just... You know, as long as you keep pulling on the rope, and it's easy to pull on the rope once you get started, uh, the, the bell would swing back and forth. And as long as you were pulling on the rope, it would never stop sounding. But once the rope was released, listen to this, once the rope was released, while the bell continued to sound for a little while because it had that momentum, eventually grew quiet, quieter and quieter, until it finally grew still. And that's what happens when we choose to forgive. You just finally decide to let go of the rope. And that doesn't mean you won't keep feeling things. It doesn't mean that that I mean, you've built up, uh, you know, months and maybe years of resentful remembering, and that's just a habit, and it's going to resound and echo in your spirit for a little while. But once you choose, truly choose to let go of it, if we make choosing to forgive a new and, and better and healthier habit, those echoes will grow fainter until they finally fade away. And that leads to to another irreplaceable step in learning how to forgive. You know, once you let go of that rope, if you want to get better, if you want to get over that stuff, if you want to really become the me that you want to be and stop being haunted by uh, hurts from the past, ancient injuries, Quit picking at your wounds. This is your mother speaking. You remember when, when you were a little kid when you fell off your bike uh, or you're running you know, down the sidewalk and you tripped and, and you skinned your knee? You would get this what? You'd get a scab. And at a certain point, that scab would start to itch. Now, interestingly... It's precisely at the point where the scab starts to itch. That is the point at which it's starting to heal. 
That's why it itches. And what would your parents tell you? Your parents would tell you not to scratch it, but you couldn't help yourself, right? I, I remember there were times, uh, I remember this really, really vividly, there were times when I didn't want to wait for a scab to come off. Or, you know, either I was impatient or I was curious about what was underneath. So I would sort of help it along, you know. I'd look under it. Wow, what's going on there? I'd try to peel it off. It almost never worked. But for a five-year-old, it was great fun anyway. By the way, I'm going to press the pause button here and just say that what I was doing, my... um, uh, preparation for the message this week and, you know, Googling scabs and stuff like that. <laughs> Image search. One of the things that, um, if you want to really gross yourself out, uh, do an image search on Google for picking at scabs because there's an entire uh, literature about the horrible medical things that can develop when you pick at scabs, like these different infections that you can get and so on. It's absolutely horrible. Now, I'm grossing you guys out, but I'm doing it for a reason. Because if you pick at the scabs, if you keep revisiting this stuff, really bad things can happen to your spirit. We're constantly picking at something. It won't heal the way it would if you just let the darn thing alone. And as a matter of fact, if you keep picking at it, you can worsen the condition. And you could make something that was at one time a little thing into a really big thing. And forgiveness is like that. Once you have acknowledged your hurt, not obsessed over it, just I was hurt here. This is a legit thing. You consider your options. Am I going to keep viewing myself as a victim? Or am I going to make some decisions, uh, take responsibility so I can move forward? Once you've asked God to forgive you for the unforgiving spirit that you've had, and once you've chosen to forgive, you know what? That's when the healing process has begun. And that's when you're going to be tempted to go back and revisit it because when healing happens, that's, that, that's when it starts to itch. The thing is, the healing will continue if you just quit picking at your wounds. So when you find your old feelings coming back and you're, you're tempted to fall back into that pattern of, of resentful remembering, just try to catch yourself. And stop. You know, every uh, evening, um, I have a fitness tracker and stuff, and I try try to get at least a 30-minute walk-in every day uh, at the end of the day. And I love it that it's daylight saving time and the days are longer and stuff because I usually have time to do it while it's still light out and everything. But there have been many times when I've been walking along and I'll just find myself revisiting something that, you know, really hurt me. And it's a it's a beautiful day. And I'll find myself, you know, feeling that hurt again and, and remembering uh, truly the way in which I was wronged. 
And it's really easy to just, you know, and I stop seeing stuff. I'm just, you know, into my head and everything. And, but, but by God's grace, without exception, I can stop myself and just say, this is insane. This is insane. Let, let me just tell you what to say to yourself. You ready for this? Just don't go there. Let it go. Shake it off. Get over it. You know, don't go there. It is, it's insane, right? Let me, let me wrap it up with this. Um, if after all that you have heard today, you're still concerned with balancing the scales of justice, Trust the Lord to set things right. Trust the Lord to set things right. That's not our job. That's his. That belongs to God. And I'll tell you why. It's because God alone has the perfect wisdom. God alone exercises the perfect justice and mercy God alone has the perfect love that is able to set things perfectly right. And God will do that. God's promised to do that. And God keeps his promises. In the meantime, let's not forget that forgiveness lies at the heart of the gospel. I don't have time to to go into, you know, I, I know that there's still some threads that I've left hanging here. Let me just say, a couple, make a couple points real quick here. Forgiveness might not result in reconciliation. But that doesn't mean that you still have to be a slave to past hurts. Forgiveness doesn't require somebody else's repentance. God's forgiveness requires our repentance. But you know what? You can forgive somebody without them coming to you and you know, you know begging for mercy, because that's not going to happen. And importantly, and uh, you know, I, I'm just assuming that there are going to be some people who need to hear this as well. Forgiveness never means putting yourself in danger. So if you are a victim of abuse, for instance, you can learn over time to let that pain go, but it doesn't mean staying in a house where you continue to be injured or worse. But there is no salvation apart from forgiveness. That's the meaning of the cross. For as Jesus says in today's scripture reading, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, there's an awful lot at stake when it comes to forgiveness. 
we have all, every single one of us, have been injured or hurt or wounded by someone. And sometimes it might be intentionally, and sometimes it's unintentional. You know what's interesting about that, though? It doesn't matter. It hurts the thing, right? The question is, what will we do about it? And there's some really simple steps to take. First of all, you, you just acknowledge you're hurt. Don't obsess over it. Acknowledge it. Serious. It was real. Second, consider your options. You can keep viewing yourself as a victim and let that old injury ruin your life and you can live in a house of spite. Or you can live in peace and freedom. If you choose to take the path of uh, that habit of, um, of um, resentful remembering, you, that's your life. That's what it'll be. But if you're willing to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to work in you, you take the next step. And that is, that's this. If, if, you're, if you find yourself unwilling or unable to forgive, ask God to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you your unforgiving spirit and your obsession with old injuries and you're viewing yourself as a victim and you're keeping a record of wrongs and your disobedience to Christ's command to forgive others as you've been forgiven. Accepting God's forgiveness. Choose to forgive. You'll never feel like forgiving but you can still choose to forgive. It is a decision that's followed by a process. It begins with our will, but in time, it always bears fruit in our hearts. And I want to say this, make that decision today. You know what? As I've been, been sharing this message with you this morning, every single person here today has some pic- picture of a person in their mind or some old hurt that has been bugging you for years and years and years. Choose to forgive today. Make that choice. And once you have made it, stop picking your scabs. Let it heal. Let go of the rope and let it heal. Whenever you find yourself tempted to fall back into that insane habit of resentful remembering, let it go. Shake it off. Get over it. Just don't go there. Then finally, trust the Lord to set things right. That's his job. And he's faithful. And he is just. And that's how we become free. And that's how we become the me that we want to be. And the me that we were created to be. People who are not haunted by hurts from the past, but who experience the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.